What is up, Pistons fans? Um, welcome back to the Three Rings podcast. Uh, my name is Neil Sinha, joined, joined by Aiden Mulkrone and Nike Swaroop. Um, so today we're going to do a college football special episode. So we know that the offseason for the NBA is kind of hitting a dead spot right now. So I guess just to fill in with content, we're going to talk about college football today. So what are your guys' like initial thoughts about this season? What are stuff that you're really excited about? Because, uh, I mean, it's, it's all starting up this Saturday. Ohio State, of course, plays on Thursday night. So what are you guys thinking? What are you looking forward to? Oh, I guess I'll go. Um, I mean, I just think having fans back in the stadiums, that's like the biggest thing. Um, obviously, like at a larger capacity, too, because I know some teams did have fans in the stadiums last year, but not a lot. So I think that's going to be the biggest thing. And then, yeah, I, I'm really interested in what's going to happen in like the SEC especially because that's that's kind of been like a, a two two horse race with with Alabama and Georgia recently but I do think that teams you know Florida Florida was pretty good last year I think they'll regress a little but Texas A&M is on the rise and then I, I like to see how LSU bounces back and then also the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 has kind of been dormant for a few years with Oregon USC not Washington, not really making the playoff, not even really contending at all. So I, I, I wonder to see what the Pac-12 does and what happens there. What about you? Uh, um, just, just going off what Aiden said, I'm just really excited to see fans back. You know, last season was an asterisk season for a lot of teams, including the Michigan Wolverines and a lot of other teams who didn't perform well. So this is like our first taste of real college football since 2019. So that's always exciting to see. And like Aiden mentioned, the SEC is going to definitely be a conference to watch. I mean, let's be real. They're a powerhouse. We're going to get into it later. But I mean, they got Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, it's ridiculous. But one thing that I'm going to talk about, one thing that I'm kind of interested to see is in the Big Ten, to see the basement of the Big Ten, you know, get better. You know, it's been really interesting and kind of fascinating to see teams like Rutgers go from the absolute bottom of the Big Ten, losing games to Michigan or losing the teams by like 70 points, 60 points to now being a decent team, like a four, maybe like a six win team that's potential for them. So I'm very excited to see like these teams, you know, who started from the bottom and, and now they're here. They're about about to do some big things this season for sure. I mean, Rutgers more like started from the bottom. Now we're four and four or whatever they were last year. That's better. Than but no, <laughs> no, no, it's fair. It's fair. Um, I'm interested to see though, does that carry over? Because I kind of, I agree with you. I think last year is just such a weird college football season that I don't know. Maybe it's it's because I'm it's coming from a Michigan fan, but in my opinion, I don't think it really counts. Um, I, I think We're for the college excuses, but no, I mean, I think it obviously it counts, but I do think there were some games that went very differently that they would have had, you know, it been normal circumstances with all the fans in the stadium and stuff like that. So I'm very excited for that. I hope that we don't see a lot of forfeits. I know conferences are coming out with all their, um, rules regarding that stuff. So hopefully COVID doesn't really impact the season too much. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see like 
what happens. You know, obviously being a Big Ten fan, I'm excited to see what happens within the conference because I think there's a lot of interesting storylines. I think, you know, there's a few coaches that are definitely on the hot seat. Jim Harbaugh, for sure. Scott Frost, I mean, they they really lost that game last weekend to Illinois. I mean, they are they're in trouble right now, and his, his job is definitely in trouble. So there's a lot of things to – what do you say? His seat is burning hot. Like, oh, facts. <laughs> very hot. Yeah, no, for real. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of storylines to look forward to. Uh, and then I guess, honestly, the biggest one – you know, over the past few weeks has been the conference realignment, conference expansion, the alliance that was announced between the Big 12, Pac-12, um, or not Big 12, Big 10, Pac-12, and ACC. And so what do you guys think about that as well as, I, actually, yeah, I guess we'll leave it at that for now. What do you guys think of the conference, conference expansion, the realignment, everything that's going on with that, and then the alliance as well? Oh, do you want to start with I? No, nah, you go, you go. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. So I'll, I'll just give like a little bit of a layout of like the Alliance to start. So, I mean, the Alliance was, is basically a handshake agreement. There was nothing like set in stone or, uh, you know, they just kind of had a conversation about what the, what they're planning to do, like w- looking forward about stuff like that. And like, it's, it's basically uh, reply to what the SEC did, adding Texas and Oklahoma. So, um, I mean, leaving the Big 12 out of that is kind of a big deal just because the that would be the conference you would pick off teams from. So the fact that they didn't even, like, include them in the conversation about, hey, where, where would you guys like to see yourselves? Like, would you like to see yourselves in the, you know, like Texas Tech and Baylor? Would you like to see yourselves in the Pac-12 or, like, the ACC, like Big Ten, where? So I think that was kind of interesting, but I'll, I'll leave it at that for now because obviously there's not like a ton of details. But I think I think the conference, I think the expansion of Oklahoma and Texas is really big because those were they were they were basically carrying the Big Twelve in terms of fun in terms of revenue and. Obviously, there's revenue sharing amongst the conferences, so they were not getting their fair share. So definitely moving to the SEC, they're getting a big bump in money. And um, along with that is probably going to be a playoff expansion just because there's there's no reason Oklahoma would leave. They had a free ticket to the playoff almost every year, and there's no reason that they would leave that just just to go to the SEC and be like, you know, second or third in the West every, and, you know, have to really grind to compete to make the playoff without a playoff expansion. So I think that is, it's inevitable at this point and it's bound to happen. I don't know when and yeah, but I'll leave it at that for now. So I don't want to steal everything. So y'all can go ahead. (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. Just with that conference shifting, it's just crazy to see like we're at this point in college football where like, you know, we're really going to say we have a power four conference, like power four conference. We're going to get rid of the Big 12. And, you know, I kind of feel bad for the Big 12. You know, they have like they may not be the best in football, but they have blue bloods like Kansas and basketball and Iowa State, for example, who may now join the Big 10. And I, it's just it's just kind of sad to just see a full conference just 
just go just kind of just like diminish on its own and teams are now just trying to find new conferences but um like Aiden said Texas and um Oklahoma is huge I think those two teams are like they, they basically are the revenue carriers Texas their football team may not may not be like the best but they're kind of similar to Michigan where football and for the Longhorns is a big deal so like I mean it's just it's just a crazy move for them to move to the SEC and that guy kind of gets into playoff expansion I don't think they'll do it without an expansion but um yeah it's crazy also just to see like teams want to move to the Pac-12 and it's like I feel like the whole geographical landscape of like these conferences are going to soon just diminish I mean if we're talking like Texas Tech and Baylor joining the Pac-12 like is it even like the west the west side so that'll be interesting to see and it's just yeah we're entering a new decade of college football so I mean these changes are bound to happen but yeah those that's what I was thinking yeah I mean kind of like you said the idea of a power for you know conferences for the NCAA and college football is kind of wild to me to think about because, um, I mean, the Big 12 used to be – people don't realize, but, I mean, if you go back just over, what, 10 years, they had teams like Texas A&M, Nebraska, Missouri. Those teams were in the Big 12. I mean, it used to be a very dominant conference, one of the best in, in, in the NCAA. I mean, honestly, you could argue it was like Big 10, SEC, and Big 12 is the best three conferences, honestly, almost regardless of sport. And so – it's wild to see what's happened. And I think it all got set in place by Texas A&M leaving a while back. Um, you know, I know Longhorns fans were really annoyed by that because they thought Texas A&M was kind of ducking Texas and the Big 12. But it's a move that has been fantastic for that program. I mean, they're getting way more revenue at the SEC. They're getting way more national attention, too. And to be fair, the program has gotten a lot better, whether that's because of the SEC or not. You know, who knows? But so, I mean, it's it's interesting. Um, and I do think the Big 12 is going to almost fully disband unless they go out and get teams from like the American Conference. Like I think Cincinnati, they have to be calling up. I know that geography wise, it makes no sense. But then again, this is the same conference that has West Virginia in the Big 12, too. So it's 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 tough. They're in a tough situation. Again, kind of like Vinayak said. Some of the teams are even reaching out to the other conferences. Iowa State did, Kansas did. They both reached out to the Big Ten. Um, I know, I think there was another team that reached out to the ACC. I don't remember who now. But, yeah, the Big 12 is in a tough spot. And then on top of everything, to not even be included in that alliance, I found that, you know, the cherry on top for that conference. One thing that I think is interesting with the alliance, by the way, and we can talk about this right now um, with the playoff expansion, is that, I thought that the ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12, and Big 12 would all want a playoff expansion. But part of the alliance is actually going to be blocking a playoff expansion, from what I've heard. And so the reason behind that is because they think if the playoff expands to 12 teams, they think six or seven of them will be from the SEC, which makes sense. I mean, the SEC, if it was a 12-team playoff, they would definitely get six or seven teams every year. But so the, the other conferences reasoning is let's keep it at four. So at most the SEC is getting two, um, which is a lot less revenue for that conference. But in my opinion, I've always been a supporter of expanding the playoff. I think I'm not sure if you expand it all the way to 12, but I, I think eight is a solid number. I personally think six is the best number. 
I was going to ask you guys about that. What do you think is the right number? Do you think it should expand at all? Um, and do you see it expanding? Because, I mean, now it seems like there's so much politics going on with these alliances and stuff. Does it end up happening? Um, for me, I think, like you said, six is the ideal number. Um, that's just more so because, like, I when, you, when I think playoff ex expansion, I, I'm thinking of, like, these group of five teams, like, I'm thinking about the UCF that comes out every year that's going to say, hey, we want a chance at the playoff. But I mean, to be realistic, I mean, I honestly, if like UCF played Alabama, like I don't think it would be a close game. And I think that's actually a really solid point on why you can argue against playoff expansion. Like the games between one and four are already most of the time blowouts. Like there's a lot of blowouts in the playoffs and that there is a big talent difference. Like in college football like rankings, like between one and like 10, it's actually like a huge, for example, um, when the when Ohio State played Michigan in 2019, they were the number one team. Michigan was the 10 team. Ohio State whooped Michigan. So I think I can see why like the there's like there's also some pushback to expansion. Also, also with they don't want SEC teams. But I do think six is a fair number because we see time and time again, teams get writ teams get robbed or teams that were deserving don't get in. I think specifically to 2014, that first year when I think it was Baylor or TCU, I don't know, one of those two teams, I felt like had a deserving case to be in the playoffs, but didn't get a shot. And OSU, OSU did get the fourth seed and it went on to win the championship. But I mean, I think it's worth it to definitely give like those teams on the edge a shot to be in. But I think 12 is overdoing it. I think 12 is kind of ridiculous. And also you have to factor in when you're doing playoff expansion, how are you gonna how are you gonna schedule these games? Because you also have the NFL playoffs that are happening, and it's kind of gonna be hard to schedule. The playoffs already have kind of low ratings, or they don't have as much ratings as they would like them, and that's just beauty of college football, right? Like it's a regular season sport. So I wonder like how they're gonna do that balance as well for sure. Yeah, and let me just add real quick too the idea that I've had with the sixteen playoff because. I don't think too many people have even mentioned six teams. The reason why I think it's good is because with six, you can add that group of five team in whether or not they deserve to be there. You know, I think the committee would have to decide that because like you said, there's such a big difference right now, a big talent gap between, you know, the top three best teams in the country and everyone else. And especially between the power five conferences and the group of five teams. But one thing I'll say is I think, and I've, I've always thought this with the playoff is that if you're the number one or number two team, you should be rewarded of getting that seating. And, it, and at least in my opinion, it shouldn't just be like you get to play the four seed or whatever. And then if you're the two seed, the only advantage you get is you get to pick your Jersey for the playoff game and that semis against the three seed. But I think, you know, you should get a buy or something as a one or two seed. And so that's why I like the 16 playoff. And then on top of that, it allows the possibility of all five conference champs to be put into the playoff and possibly a group of five team. Now, if the group of five team gets added or not, again, that depends on the committee. I don't have, I don't really mind if they don't get added, but I think at least that way you get a little bit more representation of all the conferences. Um, and again, you reward the one and two seed, but that's just my thoughts. So what do you think, Aiden? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna push back against against both of you guys. I, I I'm really kind of against playoff expansion, like Vinay said, because of the the level of competition and like it's just I think the Clemson Ohio State game from 2019, the Fiesta Bowl, 
that's like the only semifinal I can remember that was competitive. Um, I'm, oh, I guess Alabama, Ohio State the first year. Um, but but those are really the only two. So I don't know. I that That's just in my opinion. But in reality, I think the playoff does expand. And I think it expands past six. It's probably going to – I think they'll settle on eight. So you, it does give you a chance for a group of five team to get in. And like you were saying, the, the alliance uh, not, you know, letting in more than – three or four SEC teams. So I don't know about that. But I, I think the one thing about the bye weeks, about rewarding teams for bye weeks is you, you're giving Nick Saban an extra week to prepare for your team. And I think that's just – that's the scariest thing you ever want to hear. Um, but, I mean, I'm, I'm not against it. I'll, li- I'll listen to that. I think, I think six teams is probably better than eight, and it's probably better than 12. So I think that's – I think that is uh, really reasonable, but yeah, I mean, if you if you really think about it, besides uh, besides twenty, yeah, besides twenty nineteen, where Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State were all undefeated, you really never they really never like needed it because there was always two undefeated teams or like one undoubtedly number one team and like one like really good number two team so I don't know I'm kind of against it but I, I listen I'll listen to expansion stuff now that uh Oklahoma and Texas is set in stone but yeah that's just my thoughts but I mean yeah having a group of five team year in the year one of the playoff expansion having that group of five team will be it'll be an eye-opener for a lot of people because it'll just show you how, how much different it is because Georgia playing Cincinnati, they had like half of their starters out and you have a team like Georgia who recruits better than anyone, which like Kirby smart has out recruited Alabama the past couple of years. You have a team with that amount of talent play Cincinnati in a game they take seriously. It, it will get ugly. So, I mean, yeah. But I, I do think that having an expanded playoff, because obviously, as an MSU fan, we have we were the number seven or eight team um, when there was the first playoff, and obviously Michigan would have made the playoff if it was an eighteen playoff, for all, for sure in twenty sixteen. Um, I mean, I don't remember about other years, but um, you, definitely you guys for sure, definitely not twenty eighteen. No, 2016. That's what I said. Or right? Yeah. That was, yeah, no, 2016, because they were ranked sixth by the committee yeah. to that year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like obviously if it was an 18 playoff, both both MSU and U of M would have would have made it. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. That those are kind of my thoughts on it. But I, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of against it, but it, it's changed. I don't for better or for worse. So yeah, definitely. Right. I mean, and then so along with the conference realignment and playoff news, there's also been, of course, you know, a ton of talk around the name, image, and likeness rules. Of course, the NCAA over the summer came out with NIL rules to allow college players to be paid for their name, image, and likeness. Um, 
And so basically, you know, now they can sign autographs, get paid for signing that sort of stuff. I know the Michigan football players have a deal with MDEN, for example, to get a certain pay cut or, or certain part of the uh, revenue that MDEN gets for their football jersey sales. Um, and yeah, I mean, now you're also going to see um, football jerseys, basketball jerseys, all sort of jerseys with the actual players' names on the back, which I think will be really cool. However, this presents a drastic change to the NCAA. I mean, this is, I think, to anyone who doesn't recognize how important this is or how, you know, dramatic of a change this is to college sports, you'll see it in the next few years. Because, I mean, you have guys like Bryce Young, by the way, at Alabama, quarterback there, who hasn't even played a game yet, who is going to be, or actually hasn't started a game yet, uh, who is, he's going to be paid, I think, um, possibly a million dollars this next year in college. Think about that as a college athlete, he's getting paid a million dollars. And so whether you're for or against it, you know, is besides the point, this is going to change college sports tremendously. So what do you guys think of that? Like, do you, how does that change college sports? Um, I mean, I guess one thing obviously is that a lot of players are probably going to be more likely to stay at least in basketball. I know football probably also too in terms of having the chance to go to the NBA or NFL drafts, but how does that affect it? And yeah, I mean, I guess, do you agree with it? Do you like the rule change? Yeah. What do you think of it in general? Um, I was about to say, I just feel like with the NIL, it really came, I think from pressure in college basketball um, with the G league ignite team. And then the overtime league, it felt like college basketball was losing a lot of recruits. I mean, they lost Jalen green. They're going to lose Jaden Hardy. And I felt like a one player specifically Imani Bates, I feel like that wasn't a player they could, they could lose. And I feel like, College basketball is definitely the name of the name of the game. Definitely something they want to promote and get these five stars in so they can go to the NBA draft. And in that way, I, I feel like that's their way of leveling up. That's their way of like competing with them. But I actually do like the name and image likeness. I think I think it, it was due. It was due. Um, there's been countless times where people like college athletes, they can't even do door dashing. They can't do like Uber or be an Uber driver, for example. Uh, Maurice Hurst, who's on the Michigan, who's on the Michigan team, was a was an Uber driver, and like he just, they said you can't do that. They said you can't make passive income. So I definitely think that was needed. Or another example is this YouTuber who goes by the name Destroying. Um, he was at <laughs> he was at UCF, and they kicked him out because he was making YouTube videos, which is kind of it's kind of unfortunate, you know. Like I respect someone who's like making making youtube videos and he shouldn't be kicked out of the ncaa for that so i definitely yeah, as, as he said in his own words he walked so college athletes could run exactly i just found that really funny by the no, way. yeah exactly i mean i bet he would kill to be back in college now because now that'd be uh that'd be a dynamic thing. and you were seeing on youtube like a lot more college athletes doing their day in the life and trying to do that type of stuff so i definitely think it's a cool thing i do get kind of concerned though when you mentioned like bryce young getting a million dollars I think there may come a point where the NCAA may like say like, Hey man, you're making a little bit too, you're making more revenue than us or something like that. John knows it's not possible, but like in that way. Right. And they'll just be like, we may have to block it. Cause I mean, you have to factor in some of them are getting, you know, paid scholarships and all this. So just like, we're already giving you this value, like, you know, don't overdo it, but no, I'm glad. I'm glad this is definitely something that was overdue for sure. I think what we were talking about, earlier about expanding the playoff. I don't think expanding the playoff happens if you don't do a name, image, and likeness. Because if you're if you're playing 16, 17 games, 
you, you got to be making money. You can't be – I mean, it takes it – football specifically takes a very large toll on your body. So if you're, if you're you know, just beating your body up before you're even making money like in the NFL, then you should be making money there. So I think, I think it's a great thing. Um, I, I do want to say one of my favorite NIL deals was oh, – shit. I can't remember his name. He was defensive tackle for like Ohio State. He's like this big ass dude. He's like six. He's probably like six five, six six, like three forty, three fifty. He he got a deal for like scented candles and something like that. So like it's like all the deals are kind of fun to look at. Just like cr- crazy stuff like that. I know Bo Nix got a big uh, sweet tea deal. Um. Obviously, like De'Aaron King got a deal with the Florida Panthers, which was kind of interesting. But, I mean, those deals are interesting. I mean, going back to the Bryce Young thing, I don't really – I don't think it's going to matter how much he actually makes to the NCAA. Excuse me. But I do want to see what he does with his teammates because, obviously, you know, guys on, like, backups aren't going to make as much, you know, stuff like that. So I wonder how – guys like that like JT Daniels um said he was gonna pay his own O-line some money for like you know just being being (laughs) protecting him like you know keeping the keeping the cash safe so I think I think I'll be interested to see what players do with it and I do think it creates other job opportunities within the universities because because NIL you have to file taxes because you're making money. So I think that also creates jobs within the university of, you know, you got to find people to teach, you know, how to, how to do your taxes, how to do other stuff like that. Cause you know, even if you're making only 500 bucks a month, like a couple, like a couple hundred bucks here and there, you still got to file that stuff. So I think, I think it'll be interesting, but I think, I think it'll be, uh, you know, kind of water under the dam and no one will really think about it as like as big of a deal as it was before NIL is out in like the next few years. I think I think people will just accept that as normal. And I think I think it's a good thing. But yeah. Yeah, I fully agree. I mean, I think the NCAA has been such a, you know, kind of they've been kind of stuck in the old days for so long. I mean, Honestly, they've been operating like a sports organization from the 50s or or even before that because they've just shown no movement. And by the way, I think you guys mentioned a lot of pushing factors and and making this happen. One thing that I think was huge was actual legislation in the government because and Supreme Court rulings and stuff like that, because, I mean, there were so many courts and so many court cases that were decided that college athletes should be paid. And so the NCAA knew they had to do this because they were getting extreme pressure from the courts, extreme pressure from, you know, a lot of stuff like you guys talked about. And so it was going to happen. I was shocked that it, I mean, they, they managed to push it back all the way until 2021. I mean, I was shocked by that because I remember the days of, I forget his name now, but the Northwestern quarterback who made a whole union, um, and he tried building that up for college football players. And I, I thought then that that would lead the push towards NIL stuff. Um, 
but I don't, I don't see why it took so long. I mean, why is it so difficult for college athletes just to get paid for their name, image, and likeness? That shouldn't be that you, you shouldn't have to argue about that. I mean, they should be able to be paid on their own merit. And I get that I I'm against athletes, college athletes being paid directly from colleges. I think that opens up a whole, you know, massive issue. However, NIL deals should not be a big deal. It's just these individual players getting paid for the hard work that they've been putting in. Just like, you know, players get paid for, um, you know, being in the NFL. And I understand those are pro leagues and that's different. But anyways, you guys get the gist of what I'm saying. And so, yeah, I mean, this is going to be, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, obviously there's been so many sports analysts talking about how this affects college sports. Of course, Tim Tebow (laughs) made so many comments about the NIL and what that's going to do. I mean, and specifically what he and many other, um, you know, more, I guess, conservative analysts have said is that um, NIL deals are going to decrease the team aspect. They're going to make players more individualistic because they're going to be trying to make their own money. I mean, you guys, we've been talking about Bryce Young and it is kind of interesting because if you're, I don't know if you're a receiver in Alabama or something or a running back or an offensive lineman, whatever. And let's say you're getting paid, I don't know, 20 K a year, which is already a lot, by the way, especially for college students, but let's say you're getting paid 20 K and your quarterback is getting paid over a million. I mean, how does that make you feel? You know, that it creates interesting team dynamics. So I think there will be some storylines that will come out of NIL that we've never seen before. So I think that'll be interesting. However, I don't think it affects the game like a lot of these, you know, older analysts have been saying. And I think it's good. I mean, they've college athletes have been deserving for so long to be paid for, you know, all the hard work and stuff that they've put in. And yeah, I mean, again, I I do think it's going to be a drastic change, uh, but I I do also agree with you guys. I think in five, 10 years, it's going to feel completely normal. So that'll be interesting to see. Um. So I guess now, do you guys want to get into some predictions and stuff? I mean, you know, again, like I said earlier, there's so many storylines to look at for college football specifically. Um, Does the Pac-12 get a playoff team? I guess we could start there, you know. Um, I hope so. I would think so. Um, Or actually, actually, no, 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 no. I hope they do, but I don't think it'll happen. Um. I think Oregon is probably their best bet. Uh, they have, I forgot, I don't, I don't have his name on me, but they have a really good player who's gonna, probably going to go top three in the NFL. Kayvon Thibodeau. Exactly, yeah, Kayvon Thibodeau. He's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's, he's going to be really good for them. But um, as far as predictions for the playoffs, um, I'm probably thinking you have to put in Alabama, Clemson. I think those two teams have been locks for however long. Um, Oklahoma, I think sneaks in as a four I see Oklahoma as more of a four seed with uh Spencer Rattler and there's a lot of hype surrounding that program and you know they are they got a lot first place votes so I think I think though they come in as a four seed I think Alabama Clemson are one and two I don't care about the way I think O's and I think Ohio State comes in as a three seed one thing I'll say about Ohio State is there's a lot of um uncertainty around them I guess because they have a new quarterback uh CJ Stroud but I feel like every time OSU has had doubters they just do like amazing you know we saw this with like JT Barrett 
We saw this in, we also saw this with Cardo Jones, or we saw it in 2019 when Ryan Day came. We said, us Michigan fans were like, okay, Urban Meyer's gone. Ryan Day is here, you know, first time head coach. And what do we do? We get, we get ass whooped. So I think OSU probably does. <laughs> I think OSU probably goes under their schedule is honestly compared to some of the other Big Ten teams. It's kind of like a cakewalk, to be honest, like, except Oregon. Oregon's like their only really tough game, but their other non, non-conference schedule is pretty weak. So I think OSU is definitely going into the playoffs. So those are my four teams. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think the Pac-12. I think Oregon, if Oregon can somehow find a way to, to beat uh, Ohio State, I think they have a legit shot. I just think them and USC – are just they just always fumble it against some team they shouldn't lose to like they'll lose to like Arizona State or like Cal or some some stupid team that just randomly beats them that they shouldn't lose which USC Clay Helton is another dude who's on the hot seat that's like his seat is burning I I don't get why he hasn't been fired yet but um I think my I think Alabama for sure makes the playoff. I think Oklahoma is the two, honestly. I think Oklahoma will – I think my bold prediction is Oklahoma will win a playoff game this year. And I think I think this is their best team yet. And I think Alex Grinch, their defensive coordinator, has done a really good job recruiting and has really built up their trenches to compete, you know, they just got again. They just got their ass whooped like every year, except against Georgia. So like, I think they they know what they need to address. And I think they've addressed it, and I think they're ready to win a playoff game finally. And then three and four, it's probably gonna be Ohio State and Clemson, which this could be the first year that there are four undefeated teams. But I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past. Uh, I mean, Oklahoma's probably got the best chance to lose a game just because they always drop a game. But also, I, I'd be looking out for Alabama because they had probably arguably one of the best teams ever last year. And, I mean, they, they're really young. But, I mean, they're still Bama, but they still play in the hardest conference in the country. So they could also probably got the best chance to lose. So we'll see. But, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to actually – I think I'm going to disagree with you guys. So, I, while I will probably agree with the playoff teams, I don't think – I think there's going to be a lot of parity this year, actually. Um, and the reason why I say that is when I look at – first of all, I guess I'll start with Alabama. You look at the amount of production that they have to replace from last year's, like, team. I mean, it is so much. And I get that last year they were just – they were beyond dominant in college football. I mean, that was one of the best teams that I've ever seen. Um, but you have to replace Mac Jones, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith. Those three alone had such an amazing connection last year. There is, I mean, I'm, I get that Bryce Young's amazing. There is no way Alabama's getting nearly the same production this year. They will still be great. I mean, it's Nick Saban's coaching the team anyways. But so I, I think they make the playoff. However, I actually I could see them losing a game. When I look at Ohio State, I actually definitely see them losing a game. And it might sound crazy. I'm very high on Oregon, by the way, ranked number 11 in the country. I really like them. I like what they're doing up there with Mario Cristobal. Um, and Oregon plays OSU week two. 
And so I'm not going to say that they're going to win that game, but I do think that'll be a lot closer. And I actually think that week one, OSU is playing Minnesota tomorrow night on Thursday night. I think that game's going to be a lot closer also than most people think. I mean, Minnesota's bringing back Tanner Morgan, Muhammad Ibrahim, who is possibly the most underrated running back in all of college football. I mean, if you guys didn't know, he averaged, he, he averaged over – or he, he got over 100 rushing yards in every single game that Minnesota played in last year. He is a fantastic running back, and I think P.J. Fleck gets that program back to being at least a little bit better than they were last year. So I don't think that's going to be an easy game either. And – Point is, I think I could see OSU losing at least a game. I honestly could see them going 10-2, and two, and I think there could be some playoff issues as to do they get in or not. Um, from there, Oklahoma has a charm and soft schedule. I mean, if you guys have seen that, they're playing two ranked teams, and that's Texas, who's number 20, who every year we're all just like, is Texas back? Is Texas back? And they're never back. Um, and so – I don't know. I think Oklahoma makes the playoff just solely because of their schedule. Like it is so easy. And then, so yeah, I'll say Alabama makes it. Oklahoma makes it. Um, I do think OSU sneaks in. I do think it's going to be harder than most people think. I think Clemson is going to be amazing. I don't know why people are kind of Clemson almost seems like an underdog this year, but you got to understand anytime you have Dabo Sweeney and Brett Venables, their defensive coordinator, they are going to be very, very well coached. And then on top of that, I get that they lost Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne too, but I do think DJ Wiangalele, I think is how you pronounce his Uyunglele. name. Uyunglele. Yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> He's a stud. I mean, he was the number one recruit, number one uh, quarterback recruit coming out of high school a few years ago, I think two he was, years ago. Nah, he, was, he was number two behind Bryce Young. Oh, okay, well, then there you go. But – he, I mean, the other thing with DJ is he played in that Notre Dame game last year, which was such a big experience for him. They won that game. Um, and so, I don't know. I think Clemson's back to being where they're at. They also have a very easy schedule. Or, they, or sorry, very easy conference schedule. They do play Georgia on Saturday, which is a humongous game. So, I see it being those four teams. I really like Georgia, too. However, Georgia, I mean – the issue for them is you have to play Clemson week one, and I think they lose that game. And so the only way they make it is if they win out, and they're playing in the SEC. To be fair, I think the hardest team they have on their SEC schedule is like, what, Florida and Auburn? But even then, if you win your division, you're playing Alabama likely in the championship game. So I don't see that happening. But, yeah, I mean, it'll be very interesting. Again, I will say I really like Oregon. That is my sleeper team for college football this year. But yeah, do we want to, I guess, with our playoff teams, we kind of already said who's winning each conference. But do you guys have any sleeper picks? I know I just said Oregon for mine, but do you have any other sleeper picks for conference winners possibly or in general just being a lot better than last year? All right. I, okay, so, yeah, so my four was with Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson. So usual suspects. Um, I do think Clemson loses to Georgia week one. I, I truly do believe that. I think they just can't match up in the trenches. But obviously outside, they do have a lot better – or they do have, like, so a lot better players. I'd like to see how uh, Justin Ross returns. But um, I think my five and six – play my five and six teams, so, like, the first two teams out will be Georgia and Oregon. Um, but yeah, so for Big Ten, 
I don't want to sound like a slappy, but I do think that MSU will have a massive bounce back. I think they will make a bowl game, and a lot of people are really overrating Rutgers, but fuck Rutgers. That's all I'm going to say. So, like, like they're, they're not that good. And also, Maryland's – they're not going to lose to Maryland. We've seen this. We've, we've seen the story before with Maryland. <laughs> yeah, with Mike Loxley. Um, for the ACC, my sleeper is probably Louisville. Louisville is – that Scott Satterfield is all right. He's he's decent coach. They got some decent talent, and like they they've been able to develop talent uh, pretty quickly. Um, uh, sign Lamar Jackson. So yeah. Um, for the SEC, my sleeper team is probably gonna be Missouri. I think Missouri's gonna actually. I think Missouri could easily finish second in the, in the uh, SEC East. I think they. I don't. I don't think Florida's that good. And I think Missouri with Eli Drinkwitz last year, they went like eight and four. So I think that they'll have another solid season and they could be on the come up. And then I'm not going to even do big 12 because yeah, they're a lost cause at this point. Um, Pac-12 sleeper. You know what? Pac-12 is, is a lost cause too, but I'll do big 12. I will say TCU. Uh, Zach Evans was like the number one running back. Uh, in class of 2020, I think, yeah, class 2020. So I think I think he's a sleeper because, or like a sleeper player, in particular because he was a five star, was the number one running back, and I think TCU will bounce. will have another bounce back year, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I guess I won't go conference by conference, but I'll, I'll name a few teams that I think are going to be very good that people aren't thinking about as much. So one team that I'll say is North Carolina. And I want to be careful of that because I thought that they were the most overrated team in college football last year. I mean, they were ranked at number five, one point. I was like, this is not a top five team for sure. Definitely not even a top 10 or top 15 team. Um, And then of course, I think right when they got that number five ranking, they lost to Florida state, but I do think Sam Howell is a very good quarterback. Um, I just, I don't know. I think they take another step this year. I really like Mac Brown, their coach. I think, you know, I, I think it's a solid team. And again, when you're playing in the ACC, you're playing a lot of bums kind of at the bottom of that conference. So I think North Carolina can get up to nine and three, 10 and two, and probably be a top 15 ranked team this year again, or possibly top 10. So I don't know if that's a sleeper pick necessarily, because I know they've been getting a lot of hype. I mean, everyone's been pretty much placing them in that the ACC championship already against Clemson. But I think they'll be pretty good. Um, another team I'll say out of the ACC is I think Florida State with Mike Norvell. I think they're actually going to be better than people think. And I know Florida State's been the definition of a dumpster fire the last two years, two, three years. But I think Norvell is actually a really good coach. I think they get a little bit better. I mean, last year they got that great win against North Carolina. And you can just see the culture shifting in Florida State from the toxic culture that they had when Jimbo Fisher left. So I think they'll be a little bit better. And what I mean by that is probably like six and six, seven and five. And I know that's not Florida State, you know, the old times uh, level, but I still think they get better than what they've been the past few years. Um, and then in the Big Ten, 
I know I kind of mentioned them earlier, um, but I do like Minnesota. I think they get a lot better this year. Of course, they did lose Rashad Bateman on offense, and I think that's going to hurt them quite a bit. But at least coming off of the three and four season that they did, in which you know everyone was saying P.J. Fleck has Minnesota contending for the Big Ten this year or whatever that they said last year didn't turn out. I do think they rebound a little bit. Uh, and then I think a few other teams in the Big Ten, by the way, I think Michigan is definitely rebounding. Um, we'll talk about them a little bit later, so I'll leave it at that for now. But I think Penn State, it's, it's just, I think with Michigan and Penn State, last year was such a weird year, and I would say asterisk year, for, at least for those two teams, that I think it's an obvious, can, they're both obvious candidates to rebound. Um, I think Penn State is definitely better than four or five what they were last year. So I don't know. And then I guess another team that I'll name real real quick, excuse me, is USC. I think, so I'm not going to say that they're going to be competing for the playoff, but I do think they will be pretty good. Clay Heldon is in such a dire situation to put together a great season for them that I do think they actually get it done. They've been recruiting a little bit better recently. And so I think, again, I'm not going to say it all comes together for him, but I think they do just enough possibly for him to keep his job um, for another year. So, but that'll be really interesting. I mean, everyone's been talking about Jim Harbaugh, um, you know, Scott Frost, but Clay Helton, like you said earlier, Aiden is definitely up there in hot seat talks. I just want to say this quickly. What do we think? We what do we think about Indiana? Because we have not talked about them at all. And they were they were kind of the winners of last year because they beat Michigan for like what the first time in like 30 some odd years. And they beat Penn State on that super controversial like overtime play by I, I mean, and a lot of people are saying that, you know, my obviously Mike Penix is probably the best returning quarterback. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to go as far to say he's the best quarterback in the big 10, but he's the best returning one. But what, what do we think about them? Cause I, I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence about how, how good they can be. I think they're going to be a, uh, I think they're going to be a pretty competent team. Like, I think that's kind of this, that's kind of been the standard for Indiana, but I feel like they'll win some close games. Honestly, I know, Neil, you said you're uh, pretty high on Michigan. They'll bounce back. But honestly, I could see Michigan losing to Indiana. I, I really like Michael Penix Jr. He played – he gained all my trust when I saw them play OSU. And, you know, all the odds were against them, and they were projected to get, like, destroyed, you know, because Justin Fields. But Indiana surprisingly kept it close. And they also had some really good wins. They were able to beat Wisconsin. They they technically could have won the Big Ten if there wasn't for some um, – realign uh, some alignment by the conference to get OSU in but um yeah no I I like Indiana I think they may not be like 11 and 1 or or you know like that level but I think 9 and 3 8 and 4 like I think that's definitely like a realistic possibility I think that's a really good step for Indiana you know they've always kind of just been the team that you know plays the, the good teams close and then never win but I think they'll finally start like winning some games I, I really don't I like their offense and they're returning back a lot of players. So, yeah, I'm excited to see. Before Rutgers was in the conference, they were the homecoming team. They were the team everyone played when they had their homecoming because they knew they would just beat the fuck out of Indiana. So, I mean, the, the fact that they're they're a respectable program, or like at this, at, at this point right now, is kind of shocking because all I remember 
like growing up was that Indiana sucked. And they kind of had the cool jerseys that had the like candy cane stuff with the like chrome helmets, which were kind of cool. But like, yeah, they, they've been the laughing stock until kind of like Rutgers got here. And then they've, they've kind of, you know, starting to build their way up and they kind of got a good, decent program. It's just hard because the Big Ten West, or not Big Ten West, Big Ten East is arguably the best division in all of college football. So, I mean, the fact that they're fin- the fact that they finished third in the, this division is it's, it says a lot about them. Yeah, and I mean, I really like what Tom Allen has done with that team. I mean, like you said, I mean, he's taken a team that was in the dire dumps of the Big Ten basement to six and two last year. And I mean, they've shown clear progress. I mean, every single year, I feel like over the last five, six years, Indiana has played OSU, Michigan, Penn State, and Michigan State so closely. And it was like last year, they finally broke through against those teams. Um, And so again, I know Michigan, Penn State, and even Michigan State wasn't what they usually have been. But I thought that was such a big step for them. And so kind of like you, Aiden, I'm on the fence with them just because I've, I'm not sure they're as good as people think. But, I mean, they're bringing back so much production with Penix, with Wap Fillier, their best uh, wide receiver. And so I, I do think they'll be solid. I Another thing I'll add, by the way, is I do think they beat Michigan. And so I'm, I'm not – I'm higher than most people are on Michigan – However, I am not high on Michigan. So, and I guess we can get into that right now. Um, so let's let's talk about Michigan football and Michigan State football. Um, and I guess first, let's start with Michigan State. So last year, Mel Tucker's first year, you know, Michigan State was, I mean, they had a solid season um, considering it was Tucker's first year. Um, I mean, so many changes. And with everything that happened with Mark D'Antonio, I honestly think that it was a pretty good season for Mel Tucker and a pretty solid performance. And I think he's definitely shown great things for that program. And I mean, the win that they had against Michigan, I know was massive for Michigan state fans. Now, whether or not they actually win that with fans in the stadium, that's another thing to talk about. But (laughs) anyways, what do you guys think of Mel Tucker, Michigan state this year? I mean, I, I think, I wouldn't call it a solid season. It definitely was not a – it definitely wasn't that great of a season. Beating beating U of M is a big deal, and beating Northwestern, who was like the number eight team in the country at the time, was definitely – those are two big wins. But I think uh, losing to Rutgers, obviously, like that being Rutgers' first conference win in I don't know how long, and Rocky Lombardi had like nine turnovers in that game was just th- that being the first game of the season was just like a total mess. And you're like, Oh fuck. Like this could get bad. Like after that game, I was like, we're not winning a game this season. Are we like, I was, I was really scared, but obviously those two wins were, uh, it, it, I mean, yeah, again, like those are two big wins, but there there's more to be done. Um, I think Mel Tucker has been really good about turnover. And just he, I think he got 15 transfers. Um, we sent a lot of players out, like a ton of players hit the portal. A lot of them went to Mac schools, which shows you how 
Mark D'Antonio has been recruiting and how bad that's been. So kind of just, you know, cleaning that out and then adding like big 10 level players is really key. And I really like the, the new players he's gotten. He's really, he's really taken, um, you know, he has like a whole skill set of what he, or like he knows what he wants in players, like offensive linemen need to be like six, four or above and stuff like that. Like he has, if, if you don't meet certain criteria, you're not, you're not going to play. So like, I think that that's a big deal. So he knows what he wants. Um, what I'm looking for in Michigan state this year is just to make a bowl game, like just show improvement, show that you're getting better. Um, obviously the quarterback race is still a thing. We don't know who it's going to be on Friday yet. Um, I wonder how that plays out for the rest of the season, but I think running backs and wide receivers are really good. And I think a lot of people underrate them, but I, yeah, but the defense, I'm not sure because the defense was like, you know, that's all you knew about Michigan state was they were well known for their defense, but I don't know anymore. Their offense might be, might be better this year, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of my rundown of what what I've been seeing from Mel Tucker in the past like eighteen months. Oh yeah, just to go off what what you say, and like I think MSU will be pretty pretty solid this year. Um, my main concern with MSU kind of comes with what you mentioned, like the amount of turmoil on that roster. Um, I just looked it up, so they are adding forty one new players, twenty are transfers. So that kind of is concerning, you know, there isn't a lot of continuity with the, with the team, but like you said, their wide receiver uh, room is actually stacked. I think they're probably up there in, in terms of top receiving course in the big 10. I mean, their core Ricky white, you know, you got Jalen Naylor and you got uh, Ricky white's not, not playing currently. He's a, uh, he, he, I don't know if he's been at practice, but he he's still on the team, but he's not playing against Northwestern, but yeah. All so, I know is he cooked, he cooked Vincent. He cooked uh, Michigan, so I'm not gonna say the, yeah. the cornerback's name, but um, hey, well, anyone could cook Michigan last year with yeah. their cornerbacks. But yeah, no, they're definitely gonna be pretty pretty solid. I don't think anything too crazy. Northwestern is a pretty tough game to start the season, and they also go on the road. Or I'm not sure if it's a neutral side, but they also go and play Miami, Florida. That's gonna be a very tough game. Um, that's actually probably a big telling game of what how the season will go I predict for MSU probably like you said to just make a bowl I think six and six seven and five is probably a realistic possibility they're not like going to be great but I think for them like a win against Michigan would make the season I think like if they can beat Michigan back to back first of all Jim Harbaugh's out the door and then like I mean it's, it's just it'd be such a big one for the program and Mel Tucker just moving forward I don't I don't think the Miami game is a make or break game for them. I think they're going to go in there and they're kind of going to get shit on. I think that's that's kind of going to be a bad loss. But I think Nebraska looks like a very winnable game now. Um, they got Western Kentucky, Youngstown State. Those should be wins. Then you got Rutgers, Maryland. And then you got like Northwestern, which – they should be Northwestern. Northwestern will probably be a make or break game for them. And then Purdue, that's a very winnable game. And then, so that's seven there. And then obviously Michigan, which MSU gets up for that game, but like they don't have, like 
they they're not nearly as talented as Michigan, but they get up for that game. So that's always like competitive. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, one thing I'll say um, is that just to kind of correct what I said earlier is that I don't think, you know, MSU had a great season last year. However, I do think when you consider everything that the program went through, I do think that it was actually a pretty encouraging season for Mel Tucker because, I mean, I still remember looking at the recruiting rankings for 2020 and 2021 for Michigan State. And when Mel Tucker was hired, they didn't have a single player coming out of high school in the top 500 in the recruiting rankings. And so, I mean, when I saw that, I thought, dude, I thought Michigan would beat them by 62 just because of, you know, coach at that point, coaching, it matters. But like when you're playing, you know, four and five star recruits with guys that are two stars, like you can't compete. And so I don't care how good your coaching is. And I know D'Antonio did that to a certain extent, but even he had, you know, a few four stars every year and so on. And so to do what they did, I think with that roster, was relatively solid. And I, I, I don't know, I guess the biggest thing for them was beating Michigan. I thought that was, that was huge for Mel Tucker. Um, and yeah, I mean, I agree with you guys. I think they make a bowl game. Um, I don't think they're going to be amazing, but I see a seven and five, six and six season out of this. I mean, you know, you guys, Aiden just went through the schedule, but I think, you know, Youngstown, Nebraska, Western Kentucky are almost guaranteed wins. So that's three right there. And then, you know, if you can, I think I would say they beat Rutgers in Maryland for sure. Um, I think maybe some people would disagree about Rutgers, but I think they get that win. And that's already five. And then when you look at the rest of their schedule at Purdue, at Northwestern, those are two games that it's just like if MSU puts together just a solid game, which they're capable of doing. I mean, they do that every year. They win a lot of games that they're not supposed to win. Um, they're definitely going to make a bowl game. And I mean, I think the ceiling on this team could be an eight and four team. I do think it's more likely that they're like six and five or, or sorry, six and six, but um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess I'd agree with you guys there. Um, and then to get into Michigan football, what do you guys think? What happens this season? Do they recover from the disaster? I mean, absolute disaster that was last season. Um, and does Jim Harbaugh save his job? I think, uh, so I'm going to go on the record. I'm going to say Jim Harbaugh will keep his job, but I don't think fans will be happy he's keeping his job. I think he will be in that eight and four, eight and four range. Or if they win nine games, he's definitely losing the bowl game. So nine and four. So I think that's that's a given with Michigan. But um, I, I think, uh, yeah. What, they're Michigan, not getting the, the 10 and three Harbaugh special? No, 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 no. I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. I think. Michigan, you know, there there's a lot unknown. This it almost kind of reminds me of like the 2014 year Brady hoax last year when he fired Al Borges, brought in Doug Nussmeyer, and it was kind of like his last ditch effort to you know save his save his team. Granted, that team was not that good. That team was tra trash. But like the same, and that this Michigan team is a lot more talented. But the same idea is kind of here. You know, Michigan is kind. of, I wouldn't say it's like a last ditch effort, but he's certainly like making all these changes. You know, to try to see something work and from what we're hearing it sounds like the culture and stuff is is changing but you know we hear that with a lot of teams and you know I'm not falling for this preseason uh, hype again you know we saw this with Joe Milton who's supposed to be number one pick Cam Newton Heisman all this thing so 
Um, but yeah, just looking at Michigan's schedule, I think you can chalk up Wisconsin and Ohio State as almost automatic losses. I don't think they really stand a chance against Wisconsin. I don't think Wisconsin, uh, no, nah, they're, they're just not going to win on the road. And then teams like uh, Washington come into mind, Indiana are potential losses, and then Penn State also. I know Penn State had a down year, but you never know with uh, with Happy Valley. So that's already, that's potentially five losses. And it could get, it could get worse. I know, I know Nebraska is going to be desperate when they play Nebraska on the road. I mean, Lincoln, I mean, that stadium, Memorial Stadium, wherever it's called, that's, that's always a tough, I know uh, MSU fans probably know, remember the game in 2015 when MSU, I know that was a BS call, but they still, they still, they still lost. So I think Michigan's got to be ready for that one. But um, yeah, I think, I think though, like he, if he beats MSU, this is also for Jim Harbaugh too. He needs to beat MSU to keep his job. I think that's the game that matters the most. If they lose to MSU back to back, I don't think there's anything. I don't think there's any reason of having any optimism. And do we even trust him with the with the five star QB JJ McCarthy? Like, do you even trust Jim Harbaugh to to keep to you know to develop develop these players? You know, because we've seen this time and time again. Players they. They don't develop or they do go to the NFL. He sends players to the NFL and we find out that they're underutilized. For example, Chris Evans on the Bengals is now going to be like in the running back rotation. It's it's just kind of, I don't know. It's kind of, it's just kind of crazy to see. But yeah, he keeps his job though if he beats MSU. That's kind of where I'm at with the team. Yeah, I mean, I think Harbaugh will probably keep his job. Um He's kept it this long. They re- they restructured his contract really weird, um, to say the least, where he took pretty much like half of his other – he took half his salary and also his buyout is super low now. So it, it makes him easy to get rid of, but I don't know if they'll actually get rid of him. Um, hold on. Someone's calling me. No. All right. <laughs> Anyways, um, but yeah, I I do think, I think I think I'm gonna be honest with y'all. I think saying they're gonna lose to Indiana is a bit of an overreaction. I think they'll beat Indiana. I I don't see Indy. I think if you beat if this is your if they that was the first time they lost to Indiana in thirty some odd years. I don't I don't think it happens two times in a row. Um, but I think Penn State. Wisconsin, uh, Ohio State, like you said, Vinayak are chalked up losses. Um, Washington hasn't played in basically a year. I think they played like three games last year. So I don't know. I'm looking at the schedule. So, I mean, I, I say eight wins. Um, I guess, yeah, eight, eight or nine wins probably seem, seems like uh, something. But whether, whether – Michigan fans are content with that or not is up to y'all. I'm not going to speak for you guys. So, <laughs> yeah. I will say on Indiana, we haven't lost them back-to-back since 1960. So a chance to make history there for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's what I'm saying. I think, I think Indiana is a win, especially if it's at, if it's at U of M with a, with a, um, with fans in the stadium. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you guys. Um, like, I, I'm still not set on what my pick for that game will be. Because um, I will say this. I really do believe Michigan playing with a packed big house last year would have been a pretty different team than what ended up happening. 
just because I'm, I don't know. I, I think they don't lose that MSU game. I think that Wisconsin game would have been a lot closer. And I actually do think they win the Penn State game. But anyways, that's in the past. That's whatever. Um, I think so. I actually I really like the moves that Harbaugh and Michigan made over the offseason in terms of their coaching staff because they got so much younger, which I think was so important. I mean, bringing guys like Mike McDonald in at defensive coordinator spot. They brought in Maurice Linguist, who I know just left like two weeks later. Um, but I thought that was a great hire too. And then keeping guys like Sean Nua, they brought in a new linebackers coach. Like they brought a lot of young guys in. And I think it is, I actually, I decided not to buy into the annual Kool-Aid that is Michigan football, you know, a week into the season or whatever, because I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard of these stupid storylines. Like, I mean, you guys said it earlier, but Joe Milton being the number one pick was what we all thought last year. Um, everyone was saying, oh, Michigan, this is the year Michigan in 2018. This is the year Michigan beats Ohio State for sure. We were favored going into that game. Um, like, I don't I don't buy any of that anymore. And I don't think any Michigan fan should because we get let down every single year by Michigan football. And it's so frustrating. And so. But I will say this, I do think the culture is changing a little bit. I'm not hearing as much of like, this player is going to be great. That player is going to be great and so on and so forth. And I do think that having all these young guys will help resonate with the actual players much more than they ever did. Now, whether or not the scheming is actually there, that remains to be seen because for example, Mike McDonald, I, by the way, the defense is going to be very different because Mike McDonald is putting in a three, four, defense they're changing completely from what don brown did of you know pretty much rushing at least five to now they're going three four they're going to be playing aiden hutchinson at outside linebacker standing up so the defense is going to be very different i'm not as big of a fan of a three four personnel set but i think it could work i mean don brown's defense definitely didn't that you do all know that for sure right so i don't know i think they get better than last year for sure. I mean, when I go through the schedule, Western Michigan, Northern Illinois, I, I, I think they beat Rutgers easily. <laughs> you know, I think they beat all those teams easily. I think they beat Nebraska for sure. Northwestern at home, I think they win that as well as Maryland. Um, and then from there, I do think they beat Washington. I got to be honest, I and I might sound crazy for this. Maybe I am buying into the Kool-Aid after all, but I think that I don't think that's game that game is actually going to be that close. Uh, I think Washington being ranked is just absolutely wild to me. I mean, they played four games last year. They didn't look that good. Like, I, I don't know how in the world they're ranked 20th. Um, and then I, I think Michigan beats Michigan State solely because of what happened last year. I think those Michigan's going to be ready for that game. And I don't know. That it also depends on what happens in the first few games of the season because I will say if they start off, let me see, Michigan State, I think is like their, um, I want to say seventh or eighth game in their schedule. You know, if they go into that game like four and three or something like that, then maybe Michigan State definitely, I, I don't know, could beat them. But I think if they come in six and one, which I see them going into that game being, um, I think they win that. But when you look at their last four weeks and their November schedule, Indiana, that's tough. At Penn State, that is tough. Um, I think of all years to beat Penn State on the road, it is this year. 
but I'm going to say that's a loss. And then Ohio State, I think, is definitely a loss. So I think my prediction is eight and four. I could see the ceiling being at 10 and two, but I could also see the floor being set at five and seven. Like it is going to be a very interesting season, and it's very important for Harbaugh. Like you said, Vinay, they have to beat Michigan State. That is not acceptable at all with the talent gap that there is between Michigan and Michigan State to lose that game. And, and, and that's just from a Michigan perspective. I understand from an outsider you know, view that Michigan State puts up every year. They, they get ready for that game. But you cannot be losing that as Michigan when you're bringing in four and five stars every single year. So that is a vital game. I think Harbaugh keeps his job at seven and five or eight and four. I know I've been talking for a while now, but let me just say real quick, to Michigan fans who think that Harbaugh should have been fired last year. Here's my argument as to why he shouldn't have been. And I'm not, I'm not a Harbaugh fan by any means anymore, but who do they get like instead of him? I mean, it's a genuine question because everyone wanted to say Matt Campbell, but that was not happening. Matt Campbell signed like a seven year deal at Iowa state. So who do you get in terms of replacing Jim Harbaugh? Cause I, I don't see them getting anyone that makes the team better. And let me say from, being a fan of this team and watching growing up watching the Brady Hoke era and the Rich Rod era, we do not want to go back to that. And I know that they were two and four last year, but with Harbaugh, they will, I'm sorry, that that's not going to last. They'll be going at least like seven and five, eight and four every year, which again, I'm not saying is Michigan football, but I do think with, with Harbaugh, they get back up to 10 and two, at least by next year. And so I don't know. It's just like it's they're in a tough spot because I don't know who else you get that makes the, the program actually a championship contender. Because let's be honest, they're not going to compete with OSU this year. They're not going to compete with them next year or the year after that. Like it doesn't matter how how well they start recruiting. OSU is on another level now when it comes to recruiting. And so I don't know. I've kind of accepted with Ohio State. We're not beating them for 10, 20 years. I mean, that's just maybe that's just me being too pessimistic, but I don't see anyone replacing Harbaugh and actually making the team better because I don't think we're catching OSU. And I think if we replaced Harbaugh, it could just get even worse going back to the Rich Rod three and nine, five and seven days. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, my bad. I just, I know I just ranted for so long, but let me tell you that that's just being a Michigan fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are, we're so frustrated of everything that's been going on. So and we're also frustrated of getting so hyped up before the season and then just being let down. Um, but yeah, do you guys have anything else to add? Um, I know this has been a long episode, longer than we expected for sure, but any other things to add regarding college football? All I can say is I'm just excited for this new season. I love waking up on Saturdays to college football. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the season. And also guys, do not overreact to week one. I know it's, we, everyone wants to do it. I know you, when you see Michigan beat Western Michigan, you're going to be thinking, oh, yeah. I, I've seen this with when we played Appalachian State, and then we lost to Notre Dame 31-0. Do not buy into week one hype. But, um, yeah, hopefully all the teams that you root for do well. And, yeah, I'm excited. I'm just very excited for the season. Yeah, I'm also an advocate for don't buy into week one hype. Not, not as a Michigan fan, but just in general. Um I mean, like teams teams get caught week one. It, you're still breaking off the rust. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're still breaking off the rust from just like summer and stuff. And once you go full speed against, you know, not not your teammates, it's it's a lot different. So that that um 
that aspect of it. Um, but I mean, I, I'm kind of excited. I think there there's a lot of uh, competition. Maybe not, not maybe not for the playoff, but I think around the playoff, I think teams will compete. Um, for like five and six spots and stuff, and I think there will be a lot of uh, ten and two teams and teams that surprise people. So yeah, I, I'm just really excited to get back into a stadium, um, and just watch other stadiums. Um, get filled up and have stuff like, you know, the Penn State whiteout or like, you know, they have the blackout at Ohio State or just, you know, even like LSU, like Death Valley is always a fun experience to watch. So, yeah, just just all that stuff. For sure. And I guess one one last thing that I wanted to ask you guys real, real quick is just Two picks. So I know that we already talked about Clemson and Georgia. So Aiden, you're going with Georgia. I'm going with Clemson. Uh, Vinay, what do you think on that game? Uh, Georgia or Clemson? Who's home? Or is it neutral? It's neutral site. Yeah, it's, it's a neutral, neutral site in Charlotte, I think. Okay. Um, I'm probably going to go. Oh, this is tough. This is tough. I, I'm probably going to pick. I'm going to go Georgia. I think Georgia wins that game. I, I like I like the SEC. I like I like I like Georgia. They're 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 talented. I think Clemson's one of those teams that starts to figure it out later in the season. They by the end of the season they'll be good. But I think Georgia wins the game. And also as college football fans, we should be grateful that we're getting such a good game to start the season for sure. Definitely, I was gonna say the fact that that game is week one. I mean that's hype. And then the other game I was gonna ask you guys real quick, just quick picks: Penn State, Wisconsin. Who takes that one? I think that's Wisconsin. I think I think Wisconsin kind of wins that easily. Cause, but I don't know. I think me personally, I think James Franklin's a terrible coach. Like he's a no, he's like a damn good recruiter. He he's probably a top three recruiter in the in the country. You you can't find many guys better than him in terms of recruiting, in terms of in-game when he has the headset on. There's just worst play caller in, in college. There's nothing, there's nothing in between his head or in between that headset because just he's choked so many games. Oh, I must also pick Wisconsin. I don't trust Sean Clifford. He's not Trace McSorley, unfortunately. He's not as, like, mobile. And, yeah, I, I, I do think Penn State, you know, they also went one in five. They only, their only win was against Michigan. But, I mean, they also had things going on. But I think, uh, yeah, I think Penn State probably loses that game. Yeah, I mean, well, I think Penn State went, like, four and five or something, by the way. But, um, they, they did start the year 0 and 5, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, I could be wrong. Yeah, they, but... they finished 4 and 5, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, oh, yeah, wow. so I thought. Because oh, they had an easy end no, of the they, schedule. Then they're good. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, nah, I mean, hey, I, I still don't think they should be ranked that high, at least for week one, just because of the last year. But yeah, I'm going to go with Wisconsin too. I'm a big fan of Graham Mertz. Um, I've been saying prior to last year that he should have been the starter over Jack Cohn for so long. So, um, I think I think Wisconsin's going to be pretty good this year. I and I think they win that game. I mean, they're at home. Spread set at um, Wisconsin by five and a half, so could be an interest interesting prop bet there. But um, yeah, I mean that that should be pretty much it for this episode. You guys have anything else to add? I guess I'll say real quick. Thank you all for listening. Um, make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Three Rings Podcast as well as Twitter Three Rings Podcast. Um, and then make sure to hit that follow button on Spotify or Apple Podcasts if that's what you're listening on. Peace.
Yep, like and like and subscribe. <laughs>